Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Tonight, I will kill all of God, what? Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Beware the moon, David. Go now. Heaven help you. American Spook Show, bringing you the summer of the world. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. As always, I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? Will could not be with us for this episode. He's on assignment, so we're going to troop her on without him. Um, today will be our latest edition of the Spook Show Spotlight, and we're going to continue our uh, discussion down the history timeline of, of werewolves. So this will be History of Werewolves Part 3 is what we're going to be calling it. So really last time we kind of left off around the time period of when the classic, uh, was it 1941, right? Uh, the Wolfman, you know, with Lon Chaney Jr., the original one. That's kind of where we left off with that one. So now we're going to be moving past that throughout the 40s and 50s and into the 60s, basically kind of taking us up to the 70s um, with the Paul Nashi, uh, El Hombre Lobo films. Uh, you know, the smoke, you've uh, looked up some stuff on that, so we'll take a little bit of a deep dive into that uh, towards the tail end here. And uh, basically, I guess we'll kind of leave it there. We'll put a pin in it after that because that basically takes us up to the early 80s when there was kind of a renaissance of uh, werewolf films and everything at that time so that's a whole episode in and of itself right there so you know since we're kind of going granular uh you know what's the phrase we're, we're going deep into these we kind of figured we'd split it up that way that way we can do those little time periods more justice so from what i from what i read it was basically like after the success of the wolfman there was a couple of movies basically the next year uh one called the mad monster in 1942 and that same year another one called the undying monster then in 1943 there was the basically it's not necessarily a direct sequel of the wolfman but i guess it was the next time that lon cheney jr put on the makeup and became the wolfman again you know larry talbot and frankenstein meets the wolfman um and i've always been a huge fan of all those uh you know that those universal monster movies myself i'm, I'm sure we all are in our own ways mm -hmm. but um yeah. I, do, I definitely remember this one. It's been a while. And, and uh, the next one that we'll talk about here in a second, 1944, House of Frankenstein. Lon Chaney Jr. reprised the role there, too. It's been a while since I watched those. But uh, I, for whatever reason, this one sticks out in my mind as uh, one of the better ones uh, from that time oh, period. You're talking about Frankenstein meets the Wolfman? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's. I, I think we mentioned it before on like whatever one of these episodes that, for me, that was my introduction into it as a kid. I directly remember that that one, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, as the first Universal movie I saw on TV. I guess at whatever year that was, I don't know. But that one is again holds a, holds a place in my heart because of that. I guess as far as not even that it's the best of the Wolfman movies, 
It was just the first one I saw. So mm-hmm. my introduction, I guess. Then in 1944, you had, like I, like I just mentioned, House of Frankenstein, but you also had another movie called Cry of the Werewolf. And, and I'm sure all these movies that I'm mentioning are all varying degrees of uh, popularity and uh, success, you know, for the time. Uh, but it led us into 1945, which was another uh, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. appearance as Larry Talbot in House of Dracula. Um, I, I still think it's funny, though, that like, and I think, best I can tell, I think that was the last time he did, like, he was Larry Talbot, right? I think House of Dracula was the last Lon Chaney Jr. Universal well, wasn't werewolf. There Abbott, yeah. I oh, go, I'm sorry, I Abbott Costello. 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 Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess that one kind of counts, still. right? But still, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm kind of like that with you too. I don't. I, it, it's a comedy movie, and it's meant to be comedy. It's Abbott Costello, obviously. So I really, I kind of draw, I kind of draw that line at House of, was it House of Frankenstein or House of Dracula? That House of Dracula last? was the last one in 1945. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I stop it at too. Even though I, I'll, I'll mention it, and then he was in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. But even though that's a great movie. Yeah. Like I mean, they got everything right as far as the set decoration and everything. It looks, the monsters and everything look good in that movie. You know, it's just it's just an Abbott and Costello film more than it is a and, Universal Monsters film, I guess, to me. And for me, watching, like, the old, you know, local TV matinees back in the day, I probably saw Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein more <laughs> than any of these other yeah. ones that we just mentioned, yeah. you know, because they just show yeah. those all the time. Um, so that was that's definitely a favorite. It's just that I don't necessarily yeah. see that like the rest of these is what I'm getting at, you know. And, kind and, of calling it like universal, like canon, so to speak. Yeah, universal yeah, exactly. Not, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's got the creatures in there, and it's got a lot of the actors portraying those creatures from Universal. It's just, just it's having Costello. It's still crazy though to <laughs> me. Getting back to the original point that they managed to squeeze what uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, and even Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, but never made another Wolfman movie with Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. Like, you know, they just decided, like, well, we're just going to throw them in with these other monsters, and that's just the way it's going to be, you know. But they never went back to the well. And these were clearly yeah. successful all throughout the 40s, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, hell, Lon Chaney Jr. was the only one to actually play the Wolfman, which can't really be said about any of the other characters because, uh, you know, Karloff played frankenstein and all, all the main all the main ones at least the first three right mm-hmm. but uh then other people hell i think even lon cheney jr himself might have played the creature in one in some one such movie <laughs> i forget which one and uh i think he's played he might have even played dracula before i forget but uh but nobody else has played the wolfman in the universal films besides lon cheney jr now in the middle of all this in 1946 they made she wolf of london which was that uh, 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 a sequel to Werewolf of London, the one that came before yeah, Wolfman, or was it just kind of I've like I've seen both of those, but it's been so long ago now that I've seen both of those films. But I, I want to say that it's not a connection. Mm-hmm. It just uses London, and again, and then also, well, coming full circle to American Werewolf in London, which is paying homage to, uh, you know, they mention Lugosi from the Wolfman and and Lon Chaney from the Wolfman, and whatnot so it's kind of coming full circle there the london connection and werewolves yeah but uh but i don't i don't quote me on it somebody out there can you know maybe they'll correct us on it but i don't think they're connected as far as being sequels and i think that those weren't necessarily as successful as the you know the lon cheney jr wolfman movies obviously but they did include those on that uh wolfman collection universal like monster collection dvd set that came out both uh, Werewolf of London and She-Wolf of London were included in that, so that's just, yeah, they're definitely worth mentioning as far as 
you know, the history of uh, these movies are concerned. Then it's right around this time, basically pretty much as Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and everything came out. Not long after this, obviously, and during that time period, you've got World War II going on. And basically because of that, and then you've got like the Roswell, you know, UFO stuff going on and other things, just culture is changing and everything. Horror itself kind of changes around this time period of like, you know, say the 50s. And it kind of, they go from something that was taken somewhat seriously to like B-movies and like just sci-fi, you know, I hate to say throwaway, but you know they kind of they kind of became lesser than just all horror movies in general. Yeah. During the fifties, it's kind of like that people had enough horror going on with the war. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and, and they didn't want to have a straightforward horror going on. And in, something you know, I saw too that they also pointed out directly that a lot of the adults kind of were out of the scene at the time too. So like, entertainment kind of had to focus on like say teenagers and stuff like that, and and maybe you know. Uh, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds, you know, that, that age, because, you know, most of them were off doing more serious things at the time, you know? So like yeah. inter- the movies and everything kind of changed and, you know, and I guess horror kind of took over too. Right. I mean, yeah. as far as like yeah, sci-fi as a genre became bigger than horror was at that time in the fifties. Uh, you had mentioned uh, about she wolf of, uh, of London, uh, uh, did a little, just a little quick dig on, uh, IMDb. Uh, it didn't say that anything was connected, but I just thought it was interesting how, you know, we list this as the history of werewolf, uh, uh, history of werewolves. Um, I am, according to, uh, IMDB, uh, there is no werewolf in this movie. Uh, she wolf of London. It's just by (laughs) name only. Yeah. (laughs) And there is some of that too. And then there's the opposite too, where like the name has nothing. You were like, what? That, that doesn't sound like it has anything to do with werewolves, but it does. There's that weird thing too, like, like House of oh, yeah. Dracula, right? You wouldn't expect to see the fucking Wolfman yeah. in it, but there, there we are. Yeah, yeah, they could. You would think they might have called it something different because really, that's just a a round table of monsters, kind of like the way was that Godzilla movie, all monsters, all out monsters attack or something, or monsters you know, where attack, it was yeah. free for all monster fest or whatever. You, yeah. that's what those two movies are. Except they, you know, by those titles, you would think it would just be Dracula in one or just Frankenstein in the other one, but. <laughs> They kind of missed uh, cashing in on having some sort of monster fest thing in the title. So, yeah, it doesn't look like it's connected, but apparently no werewolf in the in, in that movie. Um, I actually have that DVD collection that's got that on it, so I'm going to have to sit down and watch that one these days. <laughs> How yeah. frustrating. Yeah, got, that, I've watched be. it, but it's been a while. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. I, I don't think I've ever seen that one. Before. No. <laughs> um, it was, I, th- I remember them being good as far as it being, you know, it's a misle- misleading title or whatever, but, I mean, it, the movie itself was pretty decent, I think, as far as the old school thriller. Now, as far as going back to the timeline and the conversation we were having, like as you said about sci-fi, that was part of yeah. like the change in the 50s. It's like a lot of these movies kind of went sci-fi, and, and it almost seemed like they kind of shoehorned it in no matter what they were trying to do. Like, the sci-fi spin <laughs> came in. So, like, you had The Werewolf in 1956, and then you had I Was a teenage werewolf in 1957. And that one actually starred Michael, Land- like a young Michael Landon at the time. Mm. Um, but both of those particular movies had a sci-fi spin to them. It was always like, you know, it wasn't like the old werewolf lore that we've talked about. This was more like, you know, someone got turned into a werewolf or a, a wolf beast or something by a scientist, <laughs> you know, like that was yeah. always the spin on those type of movies. You could kind of see where the current, 
temperature of horror movies and everything were were also twisting the werewolf tale too and and of course like i said none of these movies were taken not not that they were taken extremely seriously in the you know the 30s and 40s but they were definitely taken far more seriously and were far more successful in the 30s and 40s than they were in the 50s that's for sure and the early 60s too but that kind of naturally leads us into uh one that you looked up smoke uh which was basically the only Hammer werewolf movie, right? Uh, in 1961, Curse of the Werewolf. Yeah, yeah, Curse of the Werewolf. Because uh, Hammer, you know, they, they basically started up as a paying homage to the Universal movies of the 30s and 40s. And uh, started with, uh, I believe it was Curse of Frank, no, it was a Horror Dracula. I think Curse of Frankenstein was first and then Horror Dracula, but I could have had those two reversed. At any rate, though, they were real successful with that. And, and The Mummy... And then, you know, they, they tried to hand it uh, at Werewolf, so at the Wolfman. So, yeah, Curse of the Werewolf from 1961. And it's directed by Terrence Fisher, who did those, who, you know, he did a lot of uh, acclaimed movies from Hammer. He did those two, I just mentioned, Horror Dracula and Curse of Frankenstein. Uh, so he was top-notch director at Hammer. Uh, but the, the movie itself, though, is based on a novel called The Werewolf of Paris by a guy, Indor, Indor or Indori. And, uh, as far as that book was published in 1933. Now it's it's a very loose adaptation of that novel, but uh, and it's actually the only werewolf film from. Uh, well, I, as you mentioned, it's the only werewolf film that's Hammer Studios produced, and I guess there's a reason for that, and that reason is because it flopped at the box office, unfortunately. Mm. Even though I think it's a really good movie, I think it's well made, and there's a lot of critics think it's well made too. It just didn't do well at the box office at the time in 1961. So. That would be my guess as to why they didn't pick back up any movies with the Wolfman anymore. <laughs> and, and maybe this is worth a little side piece conversation here. Like, is it just me or has it always seemed that like werewolf movies in general, the Wolfman or whatever, it's kind of seem kind of seems like the the uh, the redheaded stepchild of the yeah of the monster hierarchy yeah. for some reason. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think there's kind of seems yeah second tier or whatever. Not. I don't, the only reason I can come up with that is because he's not part of the traditional romantic monster lore type. You know, uh, Dracula and vampires had a had lore and tradition way going way back before you hear much about werewolves. Mm. And because they're also very much of that gothic romantic era, you know, you can women go see these movies and they can swoon over the vampires or whatever. They're not going to be swooning over the Wolfman too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that sexy transformation. <laughs> I mean, all like, that hair. <laughs> Especially when, like the one we just talked about, an American Werewolf in London, the transformation scene in that. Like, yeah, that's that's mm. not going to attract too many ladies to the room. That's for sure. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> so that might be one of the reasons why it's not as popular, at least yeah. for the ladies, you know. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. I don't, you know, maybe that and that it's not necessarily, and we've been through this, you know, now in the last two uh, Spook Show Spotlight episodes about like how we got here. Uh, but as far as like you know, Dracula was Bram Stoker, and like it, there was something to kind of get fr you know get the uh, the lore and the information from with the Bram Stoker and other books and stuff, yeah. right? Frankenstein, and same just thing. There's so much more folklore on vampires yeah. than there is on werewolves. I mean, you got to really dig to go back beyond the Middle Ages. And Frankenstein and with Mary, Mary Shelley's <laughs> novel, you know, uh, but like Wolfman, there is no Wolfman novel, you know, from. <laughs> from the turn of the yeah. century or something like that. So, you know, yeah. like you said, it's just a, it's not as deep a folklore. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but it just, as we're going through this, it just seems to me like it's always kind of lesser than, you know, with these movies and the fifties mm -hmm. and sixties really proved it out. 
you know, as far as like yeah. a lot of these movies were just not good, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there were moments, right. But most of these just aren't good. Yeah. Um, yeah it, took a, it took some, some, uh, like you're saying, a lot of, a lot of sci-fi twists once you get into those fifties movies. Yeah. That turned them into more, I don't know what you call it. Teenage, teenage hijinks movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean like that has, no, that, that has nothing to do with the folklore laid out, say like even in the Wolfman. Yeah. You know, with the, oh, yeah. the pentagram and the full moon and the <laughs> the, the silver, blah, blah, blah. It has nothing to do with that. Like, it's just some, like, mad scientist experiment gone wrong in a lot of these movies, you know? Yeah. Um, but there... Why fuss and fret about dinner? Why not have it right here? Yes, this drive-in offers everyone in the family a real picnic treat for dinner. We've got delicious sandwiches with all the trimmings and your other dinner favorites, plus whatever you want to drink, hot or cold. Come early before the show starts, or eat while you're being entertained, or at intermission time. So why fuss? Give your family a tasty dinner at this drive-in. There was another movie the same year as Curse of the Werewolf in 1961, and that's called Werewolf in a Girl's Dormitory. <laughs> uh, so that's another fine classic. Um, so you can see where we're going here, or where these, you know, they're kind of seen as cheesy, you know, at this point now. Uh and then in 1964, Lon Chaney actually, I guess, was kind of the Wolfman again, but not, you know, the universal version, not like the same thing. And, and I'm not, I guess he was the Wolfman in the movie. I'm not sure. I've never seen it, but it was called Face of the Screaming Werewolf. He's in it. Not sure if he's the werewolf or not, but it's not the same lineage. It's not Larry Talbot, you know, in the, from the universal yeah. films and all that. But he's in this, and I think this was like a movie that came out in Mexico or something, maybe at the time. I'm not dead sure about that, but this one was kind of, off the beaten path, and of course, coming down the home stretch of Lon Chaney Jr.'s career, too, you know, by this point. Um, but then in 1967, once again, like I said, kind of the corny, uh, uh, B movie you know, esque kind of uh, mentality of these things, there was a Rankin Bass animated movie called Mad Monster Party. And um, and I, I just mentioned it because I think that was kind of smoke. I, I'm sure you've probably seen it. That was one of those kind of mm -hmm. like collection of here's all the monster things again, right? Here's Frankenstein, yeah. Dracula, and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and I remember seeing that on TV back then quite a few times. And I guess they I guess they played it around Halloween, even though it's not set on Halloween in mm -hmm. the movie. Uh, but you know how they play the the Rudolph movies during Christmas from Rankin Bass. They're the ones that made those claymation rudolph movies yeah i remember seeing this one sometime around halloween just because it had the monsters in it i guess i've heard of it i don't recall whether i've ever seen it or not but like it's, this seems like something i would have seen back in the day because you know i used to watch the the hell out of those like old Rankin and bass like you said the claymation and mm -hmm. you know those animated specials and stuff they did so i may have seen it and just kind of forget about it i'm not sure but that's yeah. definitely not if you one. like those though it's worth revisiting because uh if you like the rudolph frank and bass stuff then it's just like that but with monsters <laughs> well no matter how you slice it it's not one that gets the rotation of those christmas ones right like you know the uh, rudolph all those no, back then i remember seeing it in the and this probably would have been i forget what year did it say it came out it was 70 uh, 19, or was it 1967 uh, yeah when so by in, when i was in coming up in the mid 70s and you know late 70s and stuff as a kid i do remember seeing it then on tv but at some point i guess it fell out of that rotation yeah. Cause, yeah, it wasn't shown like the other, like you're saying, like the other Rudolph movies in Christmas time. They oh, yeah. show e that one even to this day, yeah, you know, like the, they're still showing those Christmas specials, you know, like around the clock <laughs> during the month of December. So, um, 
I, I don't know where the ownership lies on those things anymore, you know, as, as to why it didn't get played like it used to. But it would be kind of cool to yeah. uh, see it, like, you know, on, on a network or something like that. And then um, 1969, we have a movie called Blood of Dracula's Castle. Once again, doesn't sound like it has anything to do with a werewolf, but apparently <laughs> there's a werewolf in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, once we get to some of these other movies a little while, little bit, once we get to the Nashy stuff, you'll you'll notice a pattern there too, where <laughs> they're named this or that and have a werewolf in it, but nowhere in the title is a werewolf mentioned. And I'm sure there's a handful of others that, but that's pretty much where we've arrived. Is like now we're up to the early '70s, and and you know I let you, I guess I'll let you kind of start diving into the Paul Nashy stuff now because, um, like I said, there are probably some other titles somewhere in there, but now basically you're to that point where his movies started to kind of take over the, uh, you know, the, the popular, uh, form of it, like, you know, throughout the seventies. Yeah. Yep. And he's in, uh, Spain. He's based in Spain. And at this point, I guess, uh, he's pretty much influenced by, well, we'll go over his name. His name is Paul Nashi. That's not his real name though. His real name is Jacinto Molina. Well, Jacinto Molina Alvarez is his full name, but I guess he went by Jacinto Molina for, his uh, early career, which was bodybuilding, weightlifting. That's how he started out as a professional weightlifter. And But he was always, as a kid, uh, the Wolfman, the 1941 Wolfman movie was his favorite character as a kid. And I guess he always wanted to do something with that. So he started getting into filmmaking, I guess, in his 20s or so. But it wasn't until around 1968 that he uh, he wrote the script for El Marco del Hombre Lobo, which was uh, Mark of the Wolfman. And... Uh, found a distributor who was interested in picking it up and they wanted the distributor wanted actually get Lon Chaney Jr. to act in it but at that time Lon Chaney Jr. was 62 years old I believe and uh, not in the best of health so he had to turn it down and originally you know, well y'all Paul Nashi aka Yacinto Molino didn't want to wasn't going to reply wasn't going to play the role of the wolfman it was they were trying to look for somebody else but they couldn't find anybody else so he decided he would just play the wolfman and so that's what he did in that first movie and uh the distributor also said well you might want to change your name because Jacinto Molino is you know that back then <laughs> they tried to anglicize a lot of names to get them and get these movies in worldwide market just the way it was you know, like if they had a, a movie with a whole bunch of different foreign names on it they couldn't sell it in certain places because it just, you know, people wouldn't watch it, I guess. So uh, he changed his name to Paul Nashi. And that's where that name comes from. So, And then he would go on to make, I guess, 11 more movies with the El Hombre Lobo character. And his name in the movie is Count Waldemar Daninsky. And he's like a Polish werewolf. <laughs> but uh, now, for whatever reason, the second movie to this series... Uh, is lost or was never completed. <laughs> and it was called, uh, well, it was supposed to, supposed to have been called if it did come out. Uh, let's see. The Knights of the Wolfman. <laughs> huh. But uh, it, was, it was directed by, it was going to be directed anyways by this uh, French director in Paris. And his name was Rene Gabor. And he died in a car crash. Apparently, at some point during or pre-production or production, I don't know, there, there's a lot of haziness about this production of whether it ever got off the ground or whether it was begun but not completed because of he died before he completed it or that it was completed and lost. Because at any rate, Paul Nashi had been done interviews before his death 
about the movie, and he swore that the movie was completed, and he was looking for copies of the movie, could never find a print of the film. And then other people involved were saying that, no, it got to the pre-production stages of talking about the movie, and maybe they might have shot some scenes with Nashi in it to put in the movie, and that might have been all that was filmed. But at any rate, the second movie that would have come out in 1968 is is non-existent. Hmm. So damn. Uh, that's just that's just odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's a weird thing. Unless... Like Nashi swore that it was made, but then a lot of the I guess a lot of the story, the script of that movie, must have been rehashed into Fury of the Wolfman. So, <laughs> like, like the script, which kind of I covered Fury of the Wolfman on the Library of the Professor segment. Yeah, and it was it it, it is a bit of a confusing movie, and that that might be why because it might have been just cobbled together from the script of that movie and it worked into a new movie. So unless the only known copy is sitting on your shelf somewhere in your library. So be sure to dusty bowels of the professor's library. (laughs) So be sure to tune in next week on Patreon and you'll see whether, whether we found it in the library of the professor. Uh, I'll mention before you continue on the Paul Nashie thing around this same time in 1971, there was a movie called werewolves on wheels that came out. Uh, (laughs) And uh, you just need to go, uh, I haven't seen this, but uh, the poster is awesome, and you need to go check out the trailer. Just go look up <laughs> Werewolves on Wheels. This looks awesome. This might be something we need to get it's, around to. It is to. a fun movie. Yeah. yeah, we need to cover that one on the show. It's been a long time since I've seen it, and I didn't, I don't even remember how I saw it. I probably rented it mm-hmm. back in the day, or might have seen it on USA Network or something like that. It's been forever, though, so. I just remember the cover art and the and the, <laughs> the werewolves on wheels on motorcycles, literally, in the movie. <laughs> But I don't remember a whole lot about the plot of it. <laughs> but yeah, we should, we have to get to that one. <laughs> but go uh, continue, Paul Nashie. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no. Uh, so I'll go on to the next one. So, well, I guess we'll disregard Knights of the Wolfman since it is non-existent or has been lost forever, at least at this current time. And then we'll come up to what I'll call. We're just gonna like skip the number two slot. So number one was El Marco del Hombre Lobo, or as that movie was released in the U.S. Frankenstein's bloody terror. <laughs> and regardless of the fact that there's no Frankenstein monster in the movie at all. Yeah. What that the hell? Is, <laughs> that's another, I could, I could touch on that very briefly is that the, basically the American distributor needed to come up with a movie that had Frankenstein and terror in the title because to appease his producers, they wanted a movie that had Frankenstein and, and terror. And so he had this movie that he purchased from Spain so he just decided to title, you know, change the title to Frankenstein's Bloody Terror and then put this little narration at the beginning of this little sort of animated looking artwork of a Frankenstein's monster that said, uh, you know, a new mo- movie featuring Frankenstein. Only this time his you know, family has, has been cursed with the curse of the werewolf. And now it's Wolfstein. <laughs> Something ridiculous like that. Wolfenstein. Go, out there, go, on YouTube, go on YouTube and Google Frankenstein's Bloody Terror open, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's, it's a ridiculous way to tie in that title with this movie. And this movie, like I said, has no Frankenstein monster. And it has werewolves. Well, it has a werewolf. It has Walter Mordaninsky. And it has some vampire women. But no Frankenstein monsters. Mm. <laughs> so at any point, at any rate, then we skip the second movie, which doesn't exist anymore. And we'll come to the, I guess, well, we'll, let, we'll call it number three, even though number two doesn't. Existing. So number three movie is Dracula versus Frankenstein from 1970. Uh, and we're just going to touch over the titles. 
we'll take a really deep dive at some point as a spotlight on Paul Nashi in the future. But right now, I'll just kind of go over some of these titles. Uh, so the that was the fourth one, Dracula versus Frankenstein. Uh, the fifth one. I'm sorry, that was the third one, Dracula versus Frankenstein. <laughs> fourth one is the werewolf versus the vampire woman, <laughs> and that's 1971. Well, at, least at least it's got werewolf in the title this time. <laughs> yes, you finally get to one that's got werewolf. In yeah. Now, now I'm just going to cover the most well-known English title. Like all of these movies were called by their original title in Spain, which most of them did have something to do with Hombre Lobo in the title, so it made uh, more yeah, sense. I got you. Yeah, yeah. A lot of distributors, you know, they changed the name to make it yeah, more yeah. sensational, guess, or whatever. So uh, we'll come up now to the fifth movie, which was the one I covered on the Library of the Professor, uh, Fury of the Wolfman from 1972. Uh, I'm going to get off on these numbers because I, <laughs> I didn't number these movies, so that was number one. <laughs> number two, number three, number four. Number five, yes, Fury of the Wolfman. Uh, number six, Dr. Jekyll versus the Werewolf, 1972. Uh, number seven, Curse of the Devil, 1973. Now, the Curse of the Devil, is that's, that's a good one. That's... Probably one in my top three of these Waldemar Daninsky films. Uh, and that one is available on DVD, or at least it was. I don't know if it's still in print. Uh, Night of the Howling Beast, 1975, was the next one. And what number does that bring us up to? It sounds like seven, I think. Eight. 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 I think that's eight. Yep. Uh, number nine, Night of the Werewolf, 1981. Number 10, The Beast and the Magic Sword, 1983. Uh, the 11th one is, now this one doesn't have an English title, so I'm going to try not to butcher it, is Licantropo, El Asesino de la Luna Llena. <laughs> That's 1996. Sounds pretty good the to me. The most important part of that title <laughs> you need to remember is Licantropo, which is a you know Spanish for a lycanthrope. So. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Uh, <laughs> And then the final one that he made uh, was number the twelfth one, I believe, if my math is correct. Hell, it could be thirteen. <laughs> Tomb <laughs> of the Werewolf. <laughs> and what year did that come that out? Two thousand four. Two thousand four oh, wow. for that one. That was the last he did, and that one was actually one he. Uh, most of these movies he wrote the script for, or the story, or both. Uh, except for that one, Tomb Tomb of the Werewolf. He, uh, I think that was Fred Olad Ray, which is kind of known in. Cheap, cheap Jack horror director circles. Uh, he directed or co-directed that movie. I'm not sure who wrote it, but I know Paul Nashie. They just wanted him to be in it and reprise his role as Waldemar Daninsky, and he did it. He took it on, and and uh, yeah, you know that one's it's 2004, and he, he was a little older, and it wasn't his movie, and it wasn't a Spanish film. It was a very, very, very cheap production and whatnot. Mm. So that one is kind of bottom rung, I think, at least in my I've, I've seen it once and that's really all i think i need to see well like, <laughs> unless we get to it on the show again well like <laughs> i said like, I, I guess it's we'll, not <laughs> <laughs> i guess we'll kind of you know put a pin in it there and we'll kind of leave it uh you know uh, the the deeper paul nashy conversation for like an actual spotlight yeah. episode on him because that that definitely sounds like something oh, yeah. we could take a deep dive in on a lot of those movies and his career and everything so we'll we'll kind of save some more of that conversation there but i'll i'll leave it here because that that will basically kind of naturally lead us into the 80s when uh, we're going to get into that, you know, next era of uh, werewolf movies. Um, but there was one last holdout of the 70s that I, I haven't mentioned, but we did mention it recently, uh, or Smoke did, on the Library of the Professor. And that is Wolfman, directed and written by Worth Keeter, starring Earl Owensby. Um, 
that uh, that I actually sent like the at least as of this recording the entire movie can be seen on YouTube and uh this is the one Donnie you started watching and then had to bail out like 5 minutes in uh, yeah I just couldn't do it <laughs> so on the next episode we're going to be watching Wolfman god damn it <laughs> yeah. that, I knew it did I do the library of the professor episode on that or no or were we just talking about that it was one or the other. I, I I don't remember. I remember it coming up, and we talked about it. So, so I don't remember whether you went into it on the library or we were just talking about it. I think you did, but I could be mistaken. Either way, uh, we recently were just talking about that. So that came out in 1979, and I thought that that was a good place to stop. Like we'll just <laughs> we'll stop there for now, and uh, you know that kind of brings us up to the you know uh, the 80s, where we'll we'll be able to talk about you know some some of the more um, famous or popular werewolf movies of the early 80s specifically like we just talked about in American Werewolf in London last week on uh, episode 65 and we're getting into the howling soon and wolf and and all those movies that came out in the early 80s that were you know transformative and and plenty of others even even uh, other movies uh, another movie that we've talked about here on the spook show the monster squad stuff like that so mm-hmm. plenty of meat on the bone here uh, left for us here for the Spook Show Spotlight ep- uh, History of Werewolves Part 4. So come back two weeks for that. Next week, we're going to be watching Ginger Snaps from 2000. Two death-obsessed sisters, outcasts in their suburban neighborhood, must deal with the tragic consequences when one of them is bitten by a deadly werewolf. So that is what we're going to be watching next week. So uh, I think you can watch that. According to what I see here, you can watch that for free on IMDb TV. So you go over there, it's there to watch. I'm sure that, I think that's with ads, but either way, it's free. You don't have to rent it or buy it. So go over there and check that out uh, before the next episode and uh, come back for that next week. And then in two weeks, uh, our next Spook Show Spotlight, History of Werewolves Part 4. So for Donnie and Will and the Professor, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast, and we will see you next week. (laughs) 